Welcome to the TSL Podcast. I'm Harrison Brown, filling in for Jovan Alford as the host today. I'm joined by my colleague at Total Sports Live, Matthew Cass, and we're here to talk to you about some XFL football. It's week two in the Upstart League. It was an exciting opening weekend. A lot to talk about going into this week, some great matchups. The 1-0 teams are playing all the other 1-0 teams, and the 0-1 teams are playing the 0-1 teams, so it's going to be an even playing field this weekend, and we're looking forward to the show. I'm going to bring on my co-host now, Matthew Cass. Matt, what's going on, man? I appreciate you you joining me hey it's a pleasure to be back on no doubt man so let's start it out with some breaking news that happened today the la wildcats traded linebacker anthony johnson to the dc defenders in exchange for cornerback bradley silve silver recorded a pick six last weekend in their uh, home opener and johnson was a team captain on la so these are two big defensive players what was your immediate reaction to this trade you know when it comes down to it uh both teams were addressing a position of need and when they addressed a position of need, uh, they were able to swap guys that might not have wanted to play there, uh, specifically uh, Johnson. He was disgruntled with, uh, you know, the termination of Pepper Johnson. Uh, so he gets a new, uh, you know, a new environment. He gets a new opportunity to uh, be in a place where he can play in a fresh team, fresh setting, uh, and not be as disgruntled as he apparently was in L.A. Uh and still, I mean, look, he has a pick six. What more? Uh, if you're L.A., you needed to bolster up your defense after week one's molly whopping at the hands of Houston, and it seems like they're taking a step to address it. Yeah, so after last week's game against Houston, the L.A. Wildcats fired their defensive coordinator, Pepper Johnson, after just one game and a training camp in the inaugural season. To some, it was a surprise. You've got people like Adam Schefter tweeting about it. So it really did. It, it caught the rounds, and... Uh, the linebacker, Anthony Johnson, I, I saw some tweets from Connor Folk, who's doing a great job with XFL News Hub. He's done um, really a fantastic job with the uh, with the XFL in the early days of the coverage. He had mentioned that maybe Johnson was a little disgruntled about the termination of Pepper Johnson. It, it looked like Anthony Johnson was actually going to be a free agent earlier in the week, but they found a way to get this deal done. I'm very interested to see how it plays out for both sides. L.A. hasn't been afraid to make some moves. I mean, they traded Rashad Ross and Luis Perez early in the season. Now they're trading one of their team captains, Anthony Johnson. It's interesting they are getting a very talented quarterback back in Bradley Silva. Or Yeah, so we'll see what happens with it long term. It's so early in this league, Matt. Trades like this, it seems like teams are still kind of getting their rosters together. Yeah, the draft was interesting in the way that it came together uh the quarterbacks were selected obviously well beforehand uh but then the draft itself kind of felt like a slapdash race to the finish with 90 seconds in between picks a google timer and uh <laughs> webcams so it felt like teams sort of selected in the way that one might panic select in a fantasy draft and then once all their rosters <laughs> settled into place they realized wait i want that guy on that team and somebody on the team so i want that guy from your team uh so there's been a bunch of swaps going around bunch of trades um, and I think we'll continue to see the rosters uh, shift. I'm not 100% sure they'll settle until the second half of the season. I hear you, man. I agree with that. I think that as this season continues playing on, uh, we're never wishing for injuries, but they're a real part of football. Injuries are going to keep happening. I think we're definitely going to see a bunch of trades. Um, we've looked a little bit at Team 9. Teams are going to be picking players up from there. So roster movement in this league is, is going to keep going, and it's going to keep being crazy. Maybe coaching movement, too. I mean, we wouldn't have said that last week, but – Pepper Johnson gets fired this week. I mean, who knows what happens if some more of these teams go 0-2. So it's been exciting so far. Fans definitely got to keep their eye on that XFL transaction wire. Um, but moving forward, 
the first player signed by the XFL this offseason, Landry Jones, quarterback, former Oklahoma guy, um, spent time with head coach Bob Stoops there, longtime backup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's expected to start this weekend for the Dallas Renegades. Missed last weekend. Everyone was saying on the sidelines that he was close to being ready to play, but they went with Phillip Nelson instead, the quarterback out of East Carolina. Nelson played pretty efficiently, honestly, completed a lot of his passes, had an, a high 70% completion percentage, um, but didn't really throw any long balls. They couldn't really get anything going, and they lost in that game 15-9. to But Matt, Landry Jones, the veteran, the former uh, Oklahoma quarterback with Bob Stoops, do you think this is exactly what Dallas needs to put them over the top? I'll tell you, it feels like, you know, the right time, the right piece. And uh, Jones in particular, what we've seen in week one is that teams who can stretch the field have come away successful. You have P.J. Uh, Walker in Houston with four touchdown passes. You have, uh, you know, McGloin finding McHale, uh, McKay in New York. Um, so what you're seeing, and even on the losing end of things, for example, uh, with Silvers finding Austin Kroll for a pair of scores, one, the second one was an amazing, you know, toe-tap down the sidelines catch and run. When you can get those yards after the catch or when you can get those deep balls, and so you have a very good chance to win in the XFL 2 point. Who knows where it takes you this season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more team go to a deep bomber type of quarterback, uh, especially knowing the way the league is set up and how the uh, the parameters of the league seem to be settling into place. Most definitely. Last weekend, the longest throw from Philip Nelson was 21 yards. I will say, though, 33 for 42. We talked about it on our week one recap. I was impressed with the way he played. I'm huge on efficiency, and I thought he was very efficient. That completion percentage might drop a little bit for Landry Jones, but if you start having throws to go for 40, 50 yards, like you said, it it changes kind of the landscape of the game, and it's what's been working in the XFL. Obviously, we have a very, very small sample size, but it's what looked good last week, so we'll have to see. I like some of the targets they have. Um, their tight end, Donald Parham, played a really good game, four catches with 40 yards last weekend. So I think Landry Jones kind of mixing into this group. Either way, even with Landry Jones, they need to run the ball more. Last week, Lance Dunbar was their leading rusher, and he only had five carries. Um, they had a few other guys get two or three touches, but you've got to run the ball more. You've got to dedicate more to the run game. Only 11 carries is not going to get it done. Um, I think they need to get up into that 20-25 range, especially with a talented back like Lance Dunbar. Yeah, that five-yard total sounds like they lined up uh, the fridge in the backfield for the Black <laughs> Bears, and they just had a barrel in from the one. Seriously. A of times. Uh, you know, it's it's not a high total of yards. Uh, it's not a high total of rushes. And I think at any level of football, you need to have a balanced attack with both passing and running. Uh, teams definitely stretch the field, trick test the quarterbacks last week. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if coaches now start to work in more running plays to counterbalance so that the secondaries are caught off guard and they're not 100% sure what they're going to do. Well, across the board, running was down last weekend, but it's a new weekend in the XFL. Tomorrow the games start, Saturday and Sunday games. A lot of football. The football season is continuing with the XFL. Let's start it off with the D.C. Defenders and the New York Guardians. Both teams are 1-0. Both teams put up good points offensively last weekend. Obviously, D.C. beat Seattle 31-19, and New York blew out Tampa Bay 23-3. Matt, two technically undefeated teams. Obviously, somebody's going to walk out of here with a loss. How are you feeling about this weekend's game? You know, the... Uh... The defenders really tightened the screws with their defense in the second half. I think they held the, I want to say 
they held the Dragons to six points, just a touchdown in the entire second half, while they uh, put up a good number of points themselves, about 20-some-odd. Uh, but the, I think have a defensive core that are going to surprise people. Uh, I don't think they're going to get, for example, the same uh, you know look at St. Louis. You know they have a lot of uh, you know coverage now. They have a lot of people remarking about how good their defense was, but they did hold the Vipers to three points. And whether that's more of an indictment on the Vipers than it is a credit to the uh, Guardians' defense still remains to be seen. But as far as we know, based on the sample size of Week One the Guardians have been able to stop teams from scoring. So when it comes down to it, I think D.C. versus New York is going to be a very tight defensive battle. I would not be surprised if the uh, over-under is not breached again. And uh, I think it's probably going to come down to which defense can maybe even score more. I think you're going to see at least one defensive touchdown, uh, if not more. And I wouldn't be surprised if the defensive touchdown or defensive play really ends up being the deciding factor in this game. So Matt is saying, smash the under, all you betters. I definitely agree with you. Honestly, this is a little off topic. I agree across the board in the XFL. I think until these teams get a little bit more settled, if you're looking at an over-under and you're not sure, I think the safer bet is the under right now, um, especially with the movement on these teams, Tampa Bay, Getting a new quarterback this week. L.A. fires their defensive coordinator, makes a trade. There's going to be a lot of, you know, movement. I would definitely say smash the under. Looking at this D.C. and New York game, I think it's going to come down to, you know, can Cardell stretch the field? Can Matt McGloin maybe get the ball out of his hand a little bit quicker? Uh, get a little bit more completions? I talked about Philip Nelson having a 79% completion percentage. Matt McGloin only hit a 52% last week, 182 yards. Threw some really good balls, threw some great deep balls, but... I would like to see them kind of get a little bit more um, move down the field, control the clock a little bit, and see what they can do for, with that. Um, Darius Victor was their leading rusher last week with nine carries for 32 yards. I like Tim Cook's game a lot. He only had four touches for 10 yards. I think that he'll continue to get the ball. Um, and then looking at D.C., they've got an interesting backfield. Jarrell Presley's a really talented guy from New Mexico State, 12 carries, 31 yards. And Danell Pumphrey, a guy that everyone in the Philly area knows very well, only had four attempts for five yards. So like I was mentioning a little bit earlier, the run game hasn't really caught on anywhere. I, I think that whoever across the board this weekend really can get their run game going, control the clock a little bit as we still go through this early season. I think it's going to be really important. But um, right now we're still looking at a, a very dominant passing league. And I think that uh, Eli Rogers, Rashad Ross, I think they're going to have a really good day. I like New York's defense a lot. Like you said, Matt, they held Tampa Bay to three points. Is that, you know, more of a, uh, a thing that needs to be reflected on the Vipers' offense, Aaron Murray? It remains to be seen. We'll know more this weekend watching Tampa Bay and this New York defense. But I think this is going to be a very explosive game. I'm going to pick the D.C. defenders to win it. I think that Cardell Jones will be able to get it done. And I think that if they can get the run game going a little bit, maybe put Tyree Jackson in a little bit, get some things funky going, um, I think they'll have a very good weekend. Now, here's a little bit of an off-topic question for you, Matt. Do you think that we will see a three-point attempt on an extra point this weekend? You know, I think it depends more on the situation the team finds itself in. Uh, if they're in a situation down late by a significant number of points, and you can get a nine-point play, let's say they're down by eight. It's not really a multiple-score game. It's a two-score game. You know, it's not a three, four, five-possession game where you have to you know, really grind to get that deficit back. So I think we haven't really seen a situation where a team has been in need of a number of points quickly. 
but I would say that for offenses that can really stretch the field and get receivers into open space, the three-point play uh, is a really brilliant ace card up their sleeve. They can draw at any time. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Walker and the Houston Roughnecks, again, he was fantastic with kind of putting those balls up and over the top of the secondary. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the coach of the Roughnecks instructs him to, you know, maybe go for a three-point conversion just to test out and see what he's got in terms of plunking it in a back corner of the end zone where only his guy can get to it. I'm excited to see if someone tries it. We'll look at two teams who were down big last weekend and could have used some three-point plays if they had wound up getting in the end zone in Tampa Bay's case. But for Seattle, it just wasn't right situationally. But we're looking at the Tampa Bay Vipers versus the Seattle Dragons, two teams who took a loss in their first game. Tampa Bay really got beat up on. Aaron Murray was their starting quarterback. He's out this week with an injury. All signs are pointing towards Quentin Flowers, the former USF quarterback, to be their QB1. He's had an interesting journey. Um, very successful quarterback at USF, one of the best in their franchise history, played with guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, was very talented, pushed the ball downfield, was absolutely electric running the football. This guy is so talented on the ground. Moves to the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals pick him up as an undrafted free agent. They use him as a running back in their first camp, um, makes the practice squad, and then obviously they change coaches. Zach Taylor comes in. Um, with that transition, Flowers doesn't make the roster, but what an opportunity he has in the XFL. Now he's a starting quarterback at the same stadium that he played his college football at. It's going to be fun. Uh, everybody knows that I'm on the Quentin Flowers bandwagon, but Matt, how are you feeling about this game? You know, uh, I think what we said in the last couple of weeks with the uh, the loss of Antonio Callaway, you yeah. saw it hurt the Vipers hard in week one when they didn't have a downfield threat. As we've mentioned, this is a downfield threat league until the running games get on track, and uh, I didn't think they had. So, uh, bringing in a new quarterback brings an entirely new look for all these other teams. Well, I'm sure Flowers uh, did get reps during the training camp, and he, there's not that much tape on him. Yeah. So there's really not much that Seattle can do to prepare for Flowers. So I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe dig a little deeper into their playbook under Trestman and they have Flowers and the Vipers running some perhaps zanier off-the-wall sets uh, from the playbook. So I would be interested to see how he does. Again, like you said, it's home turf for him, um, and he seems to be relatively comfortable in the role. Uh, so I'm excited to see how uh, Tampa Bay bounces back. Uh, Seattle, I think, is an interesting case. They did go into the locker room up at halftime against D.C. They wilted in the second half. But I think at the end of the day, if Seattle can keep their foot on the throat of Tampa Bay, they could be cruising to their first win of the season in week two. I agree with you, man. I like what Tampa Bay has this week. I think that Quentin Flowers is going to bring an entirely different offense for them. And like you said, I think they need to run some creative plays, some creative formations offensively find ways to get him involved in the running game and the passing game. I think they really kind of need to let him do his thing throwing the ball. It felt like they were a little timid with him last week, even being down. Uh, they ran a lot of inside zones and such. I, I say let it fly. For Seattle, I would definitely keep the QB spy on all game. I think you need to have someone, at least a linebacker or a safety, watching Quentin Flowers, uh, kind of staying in that, you know, in that box defensively, not letting him get loose because once he gets going, he's very tough to stop. Like I mentioned, a running back for a few years in the NFL. So that kind of speaks to the talent he has running the football. But we'll look at the other quarterback now, Brandon Silvers. Last week wasn't the best outing for him. Looked really good in the AIF last year. There's a lot of potential for him. Was a solid guy at Troy as well. Last week in his debut in Seattle, though, 21 for 40, 53% completion percentage, 
217 yards, three touchdowns, but two picks to go with it. Wasn't the best from Silvers. Could you see a potential bounce back for him this week? His biggest weakness that he has to stop doing is looking directly at the receivers when he throws to them. Uh, that led to a one of the uh, the interceptions for the defense, if not more, the one that was taken back to the house. Um, and I think really that's his biggest weakness. If he can look off the coverage, go to a second read and transition back, I think he'll be very successful. But the other thing, too, is that D.C., I mean, they did not give him any space to get open. Uh, no. They really, like, they forced him up and out of the pocket. They forced him laterally, left and right. And I think if Seattle can keep a clean pocket for Silvers, he can run through his progressions and find his receivers. Uh, it doesn't hurt to have Austin Kroll. Uh, I'd have to imagine that uh, Bill Belichick is waiting in the rafters, like, <laughs> to, you know, grab him Seriously. for the Patriots at some point. But, um, you know, if Silvers and Kroll can have and then the Dragons can get their running game going. I wouldn't be surprised to see them potentially gash Tampa Bay and hurt them through the air. And if they do those two things in tandem successfully, Silvers will have a bounce-back performance, and the Seattle Dragons will be walking uh, away with their first win of the season. I like the receiving core they have there a lot. You mentioned Prohl, and what a debut he had. Five receptions, 88 yards, two touchdowns. Really was the top receiver of the week. We're going to get into fantasy in a little bit. He's definitely, I mean, his price is going to go up, but he's definitely a guy you want to look at um, just off targets alone. Ten targets last week. Another guy who had a lot of targets but not as many catches was Keenan Reynolds, who had seven targets, two catches, and five yards. I think that he is going to be able to find some really interesting roles in the XFL. With all the extra point stuff, last week it was Tyree Jackson, who wound up being the quarterback who got a lot of extra point plays, but... Keenan Reynolds could be dominant down there, really scary uh, for defenses in that red zone. So I think he'll be interested. But from that slot receiver role, I think he's going to get a lot more targets or a lot more catches this week. The targets will probably stay similar, but I think he'll start to execute more. So Tampa Bay versus Seattle is going to be a good one. It's two teams who had kind of a disappointing opening weekend, but what an opportunity to bounce back and kind of put your season on the right tracks because we're so early in this XFL season. I mean, it's week one of uh inaugural league last week i mean things are going to go wrong there's going to be some mishaps tampa's got a new quarterback but what an opportunity for them to kind of straighten themselves out and, and get back on the winning ways because i mean if you get on a roll right now that first loss it could be easily forgotten about you know what's interesting to me is i wonder if seattle's not going to be the first team to try out that double forward pass behind the line yeah that'll be Riddle, interesting course, ran the triple ran the triple option in navy so he can run it and he can pass it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Silvers at some point during this game, uh, if the coaching staff for Seattle so names, uh, have Silver pass out to Reynolds and have Reynolds, you know, cock back and throw it. See if they can't catch the uh, the Tampa Bay defense sleeping or catch him swarming to uh, to Reynolds thinking they're going for pursuit on a lateral. Wouldn't that be something? And it's another just innovative rule with the XFL. Obviously, everyone can notice the kickoffs, but uh, the double pass, the extra point attempts, just overall a very innovative league. There's a lot more rules that I'm probably just kind of glancing over right now, but very innovative league. Let's look at two other teams who opened their season with a loss. It's Dallas versus L.A. We talked about both of these teams in the beginning. A lot of transitions for both teams. Dallas is going to get their quarterback Landry Jones back. L.A. is going into the game with a new defensive coordinator after the termination of Pepper Johnson. 
They traded one of their captains, Anthony Johnson, got a new cornerback, Bradley Silve. I have to imagine Silve won't play this week, considering they just acquired him before we got on the air. And it's Friday, tomorrow, Saturday. But, you know, Dallas versus L.A., Landry Jones, opening debut in the XFL. Should be an exciting one. Yeah, that one, I think uh, Landry Jones has the opportunity to really cement himself as one of the new stars of XFL 2.0. And it all depends on how he comes out here in week two against Los Angeles. Um, you know, the lights will be shining very brightly. Uh, it's the Sunday sort of games. So to me, Sunday feels more like a traditional professional football day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be interested to see uh, how they utilize Landry Jones in Dallas. Uh, they're willing to have him throw and how often and uh, if he can, uh, you know, really kind of decide on what has been, you know, a couple of stops and starts in places all over the league. Dallas threw the ball more than anyone last week, 42 times. Philip Nelson completed a lot of his passes. They didn't get the deep game going. You think Landry Jones is going to be able to open the field up a little bit more? Well, I mean, he, uh, he you know, he certainly can't uh, do any worse than Philip Nelson did, you know. I hear you. So I look at it as he is an unknown element in the same way that Quentin Flowers is an unknown element. Uh, so... As this league progresses, as the churn season continues, you are going to have the opportunity for new quarterbacks to step up, make their name, cement their legacy, and maybe even at some point catch the attention of an NFL practice squad or a team that's desperately in need of a quarterback. So that's what it really comes down to is this is very much a league where everybody is desperate to make their name. And I think that if uh, Landry Jones comes out and has a good performance, you'll see Schefter and the rest of the, uh, you know, the media around the X kind of recognize that he is also a starting caliber quarterback. We saw it last year to an extent with John Walford with the Arizona hotshots of the AAF. He wound up getting an opportunity with the Rams and kind of stuck around that organization all year. Luis Perez bounced in and out of some camps. So you're right about that. This is an opportunity for quarterbacks, especially to kind of show that they're still game ready. They can come in and help an NFL team win games. And we'll look at the LA Wildcats. It looks like Josh Johnson is going to make his XFL debut. He, he's a veteran quarterback, spent some time with the Washington Redskins in 2018 when they were kind of going through it at quarterback. Mark Sanchez started some games and stuff. Last weekend, the Wildcats started Chad Kenoff, the Princeton grad. Looked okay. He was serviceable, 21 for 39, 54% completion percentage. 214 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. But the expectation is with Josh Johnson coming in, the veteran, some mobility, um, it, it looks like that'll be a spark to their offense. Yeah, you know, and I really wouldn't judge Johnson's performance on how he performed with the uh, with the Redskins right. because I don't think it's fair <laughs> to saddle him with the, you know, the prior performance of being on the Redskins. That's a place for quarterbacking careers that have got so see how he takes the reins with the L.A. offense. I'm interested to see what he brings to the role. Uh, Kanoff was good in terms of scrambling. Uh, he did score a touchdown with his feet in week one against Houston. But, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to can you stretch the field? That's the central point we've been hitting back again and again and again in this podcast. And uh, I think that's really what they're looking for from their quarterbacks, uh, Johnson included. Well, Nelson Spruce is going to be a great target for him. Last weekend, 
15 targets from Kanoff, 11 receptions, 103 yards. The former Hard Knock star had a great debut. Jordan Smallwood, uh, three catches, 28 yards, and a touchdown. Kind of bobbled the touchdown, but wound up coming down with it. So they have some targets. I'm a big Elijah Hood fan, former North Carolina graduate. Last weekend, 12 carries, 43 yards. But like I've kind of mentioned throughout this podcast, nobody ran the ball well last weekend. So uh, I think with Johnson coming in, a little bit more of that read option element to it, I think Elijah Hood will get the ball a lot. So I'm actually excited for this game. I think L.A. is going to look different for sure with Josh Johnson, a new defensive coordinator, no Anthony Johnson. They probably won't have uh, Silv, but at some point he'll be in. So Dallas versus L.A. should be an exciting one. Haven't seen Landry Jones yet. So a lot of unknowns in that game. That kind of feels like it's almost a week one game. I know we're into week two, but there's so many unknowns. Two new starting quarterbacks, a new defensive coordinator, a trade. It's it's going to be crazy. So Dallas versus L.A. should be a fun one. Let's wrap up our week two previews with St. Louis versus Houston. Another one. I mean, I've said it about all four games, but these matchups, they really are perfect. Uh, I think it's a really fair playing ground. All, all four of these games should be pretty close to some extent. St. Louis versus Houston, you've got to talk about P.J. Walker to start, Matt. What a debut from him last week. Do you think he can keep this up against a tough St. Louis defense? Well, it all depends on if his receivers can catch the stuff he's throwing to them. Because to me, he has looked like the most NFL-ready of all the quarterbacks in the XFL. He was making professional throws. He was squeezing the ball into windows that you know a lot of other quarterbacks wouldn't be able to. His throw to Austin Healy is a perfect example. Um, what did he slide it between the, uh, the cornerback and the safeties, put it up where only his receiver could go get it and had him come down with it. This is a guy who really, I'm not sure why he hasn't had the, uh, the op, uh, that some of the other guys may have had in the league. So I think this is a chance for him to really cement, uh, his, uh, his case for why he should be back in the NFL. Uh, I think it's a chance for him to really rub some more salt in the wound of teams that let him go. And I really think he's motivated to keep playing well. So uh, I don't really see any major changes surrounding uh, the Roughnecks. I think they really have their whole whole roster together, at least early in the season here at this point. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to to, uh, see them again come out and uh, dominate. Although it did take them a little while to get up to speed in week one. But once they did, that was all she wrote. Saw a tweet from John McClain of the Houston Chronicle today. Roughnecks quarterback P.J. Walker was recommended to XFL Commission Oliver Luck by his son, Andrew. Walker spent two seasons on the Colts practice squad, and Andrew recommended him. And what a great recommendation it was. He looked absolutely dominant in his debut against L.A. The Temple grad, uh, you know, us folks from this South Jersey, Philadelphia area, we watched P.J. Walker for a long time in college and he was very successful with Temple. So it's a lot of fun to see him go out and and have that debut. I would love for him to keep it going against St. Louis, but we have to mention how good that defense is at St. Louis. Uh, We've talked about Phillip Nelson and Dallas a lot. They completed a lot of passes. They couldn't get anything going for a lot of yards. Like I mentioned, only 21 yards. That was the longest throw of the day from Nelson. Do you see the St. Louis defense with a couple of our AFL buddies, Jake Payne, who had two sacks and Joe Powell, who was just an absolute, ball hawk in the AFL last year. You think the St. Louis defense is going to give Houston some problems? Well, uh, they're certainly going to be a better defense than uh, uh, L.A., as far as I can tell. Uh, This seems like a lockdown unit. Uh, Kenny Robinson, of course, uh, declared for the NFL draft. Uh, So they clearly have some talent in their secondary. Um, But it really comes down to, um, you know, how long can the uh, how long can the Battlehawks bend without breaking? Uh, Because at some point, 
this Houston offense looks like it will score and will continue to score. So really all uh, the defense for St. Louis has to do is hold the line, give the ball to their offense, and let Jordan Tamu uh, run with it, throw with it, and uh, really you know, force the Houston defense into some uncomfortable situations. They really didn't get tested in week one. Uh, yeah, it was uh, 17 points from the, uh, you know, from, from L.A., but I don't know. I just don't think they've seen a team so far in their first two weeks of the two that they faced that is as good offensively as St. Louis, and I think St. Louis will absolutely challenge that Houston secondary, so this one could be a track meet if Tamu gets in a, uh, a pattern. We've been hyped about every game with good reason. These four games look to be very competitive and very equal. Rapid fire wise, Matt, let's go through it and pick our winners. I'll start it off. I'm going to go with the DC defenders in the first matchup, Tampa Bay in the second one, Dallas in the third game, and I'm going to go Houston in the last one. I'd love to hear your picks. All right. I'm going to join you in picking DC to beat New York. I'm going to go contrary for contrary's sake, and I'm going to say <laughs> Seattle beats Tampa Bay. Uh, I like Dallas to beat Los Angeles on the strength of Landry Jones. Yeah. And I think PJ Walker is uh, still number one. He leads Houston to a win over St. So we're similar, but all of these games are so, so close. Honestly, I could see New York pulling it off against D.C. That Tampa and Seattle game really could go either way. I'm full on the Quentin Flowers bandwagon. I think he's going to ball out. feel pretty confident about Dallas, and I feel pretty confident about Houston. But it should be a great weekend of games. And before we get out of here and uh, go watch romantic comedies by ourselves, eating ice cream on this Valentine's Day, Let's look at some fantasy players who we like. Daily Fantasy has been big for the XFL so far. It's gaining a lot of traction. If people out there are looking for some sleepers and just a couple of steals that they can get, who do you think they should pick up on the wire this week? Well, uh, if you can still snag him, Austin Prohl from Seattle is probably going to get targeted for at least a couple touchdowns. Uh, But uh, I'll tell you, I think you pick up Jarvis Landry. He's an unknown element, and I think that he could be a major boon to your fantasy team. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nelson Spruce out in L.A. I think that the target that he got last week is definitely going to either increase or or stay similar with Josh Johnson. I think that he could go out and have another big game. Sleeper-wise, I think Keenan Reynolds is going to be cheap. Uh, Two catches last week. It's a little risky to put him in the lineup, but I mean, seven targets. Brandon Silver's got the ball to Prol a lot. It's likely that Tampa Bay will put in a little bit of an extra emphasis on covering Prol. I think it could leave some things open for Keenan Reynolds. And if he sees similar targets, I think he's going to start to convert on them. So he could be definitely a sleeper. It's a little risky. It's so early. I mean, we're still going to have these breakout players. Like last week, we probably wouldn't have brought up Austin Prol. But now, I mean, he's had this huge game. So, you know, that that's a good way to go. Running back-wise, running back's going to be tough across the board for people. Butler scored a touchdown last week in Houston. Could be a way to go. If they get a lead, especially if if P.J. Walker just goes out and throws the ball all over the field, he could be a good running back. But I'm going to go with Elijah Hood as my running back pick. 12 carries last week in a game that they were down for the majority of the game. You know, if he can get it going a little bit, if maybe L.A. can sneak out a lead or, or stay close in the game, the ball could be going his way a lot. Not a lot of, um, you know, disparity in the backfield. He led the way. The next closest runner was Chad Kenoff with four carries. So Elijah Hood could be an interesting pick. And then defensively, I don't think it's a bad idea to go with the Vipers this week. They didn't look great 
against New York, but I, I think that going up against L.A., as much as I've hyped them up with Spruce, uh, Hood, and Josh Johnson, it, it's a new offense. L.A.'s had a lot of turmoil these past few weeks, so they could be some type of sleeper. St. Louis was the best defense last week, but it's going to be risky to pick them up. New York had a really good week. Going against D.C. is tough. So defense is an interesting one. Kind of have your pick of the litter. That's kind of a personal choice, which matchup you like the most. I mean, all these matchups are super close. What do you think for defense, Matt? Who would you go with? Defense, I think I'm going to go a sleeper, and I'm going to say the New York Guardians. They yeah. remind me a little bit of the Birmingham Iron, not just because they have Luis Perez. And Jamar uh, Summers. And slack uniforms. Yeah, they are, uh, you know, they are a sneaky good unit. I don't think they get the credit that they deserve. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, run up on people and shock the defenders. Now, in terms of, I'm going to take the contrarian opinion. And I'm going to say Donnell Pumphrey finally starts finding his legs in week two. They ran him a lot of east-west routes uh, on week one. Uh, I think he's more of a guy that he makes that first cut, he gets through the line, and then he starts chewing up uh, yards on the carry, you know, straight east uh North South. So I think if they can get him running in a more direct pattern, if they can start blocking for him, he will have a successful second week. Ben Heaney, a great linebacker down in New York, like you were mentioning, that defense. It is underrated. Uh, the Kansas linebacker had nine tackles last week. Look for him to continue on that. And Jamar Summers is a lockdown corner. You made the comparison to Birmingham. Obviously, they look similar, but when you've got the same corner out there as well and quarterback and Luis Perez on the roster, it definitely does bring some comparisons, but that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Total Sports Live podcast. XFL Week 2 preview. It's going to be a fun one. All these matchups are looking really competitive. Across the board, these teams are pretty equal. So definitely tune in. Definitely tweet us at Harry Brown Russo and at Matthew Cass. Uh, let us know what you're thinking about the XFL so far. Let us know what you think of this week. If you've got any fantasy questions, we would love to get at you. And also get at, at Jovan10. Uh, couldn't be with us today. Enjoying the Valentine's Day with his girl. Definitely respect that. Hope they're having a great time. Shout out to Toya. It was her birthday yesterday. So uh, shout out to them. All love to Joe Vaughn. But Matt, appreciate you coming on and talking some XFL with me, man. You got anything you want to plug? Any new stories coming out? I know Anthony Trophy, your hometown guy. Why don't you uh, plug that up? Yeah, very excited. He uh, got signed to a contract by the Jets. I knew him in high school. I was the manager on the team when he was the uh, do-everything offense, defense, special teams guy. Uh, so good kid. You know, very happy for him, and the whole town is really rallying behind him. But I uh, just wanted to give a special shout-out to him on the pod. And uh, we will see you back here, actually. I believe we're going to do a, a two-wrap-up on Sunday night. Is that we correct? Are. We are. I'm going to be out covering uh, the Overwatch League for the first time. I'm absolutely pumped. I need to learn a lot more about the gameplay of Overwatch. I'm still pretty ignorant, probably going to get made fun of, but... Super hyped to head down to the Met and go cover the Philadelphia Fusion. But I'm going to have those XFL games on my phone. I'm going to be tweeting. I'm going to multitask. I'm going to do it. I'm super hyped. So, yeah, we will have an XFL Week 2 recap coming for you on Sunday. But until then, we appreciate you tuning in. Check out TotalSportsLive.com. Uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. We're trying to build this up and bring great content on whatever it is we're talking about. And we'll see you guys soon. Hope everyone has a great weekend.